0: already some fabulous worship this morning. Can I get an amen? Yeah. My name is Pastor Jason Scott. I'm the adult discipleship pastor here at Chaparral Christian Church. And I just want to thank you for the opportunity. I want to thank Pastor Casey for the opportunity to be able to, to, be able to share God's word with you today. So we've been going through the book of 1 John. And this morning we are going to... Look, today's sermon title is Dear Ones, Be Discerning. So we're going to talk about discernment. But before we begin, I want to share a quick little story with you. Parked on the side of the road waiting to catch speeders, there is a state trooper. And he sees a car puttering by at 22 miles per hour. Thinking the driver is as dangerous as a, a speeder, the state trooper turns his lights on and pulls the car over. As he approaches the car, he he can see inside the car that there were five elderly ladies, three in the back, two in the front, wide-eyed and white as ghosts. The driver, obviously confused, says, officer, I don't understand. I was going the exact speed limit. What in the world could possibly be the problem? The trooper, trying to contain his chuckles, explained to her that 22 was the route number, not the speed limit. (laughs) A bit embarrassed, the woman grins and thanks the officer for pointing out her error. Before you go, the officer says, I just have to ask, is everybody in the car okay? Because these women, they seem awfully shaken up. Oh, she answered, they'll be all right. We just got off of Route 127. (laughs) So, I think this lady had a severe lack of discernment. By failing to examine the signs, she was putting herself and those around her at risk, even their own lives. But what happens when we have that lack of discernment as we live out our faith down that road of life? What may derail us and even draw us away from our relationship with Jesus? Because even the truth about Jesus mixed with lies can be very hazardous to our health or to our faith. There's a great need for discernment between what is true and what is error. We need to practice discernment when it comes to Jesus, to know who he truly is, what he truly taught. With so many different voices out in the world today and what's coming at us through the internet, through our screens, through our phones, we need to have discernment now more than ever. So that's what we're going to talk about today, discernment. And our key verse is going to be in 1 John chapter 4 verses 1 through 6. 1 John chapter 4 verses 1 through 6. So today we're going to answer the question of why do we need discernment? How are we to practice discernment? And what are we to do? The application. So we're going to look at the why, the how, and the what. And as we do, we're going to see that the more you listen to Jesus, the more discerning you will be. So John, John writes, he writes this letter as a warning to those who are trying uh, to lead them astray. Those who were once part of their Christian community had defected, they had left. They were still at large claiming to be from God, but they were teaching and preaching a very different Jesus. And we find this in 1 John 2, 19. So why? Why do we need discernment? We need discernment because of the mission of the false messengers and their message. We need discernment because of the mission of the false messengers and their message. In 1 John 4 verse 1 it reads, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. John charges them to discern every spirit to determine if they are from God. What are these spirits? Is it like Casper the friendly ghost? Demonic influences? Well, I think the text kind of alludes to that these, these, these spirits are the false prophets. So he's, he's uh, indicating persons. But it's also indicating an influence behind these people, behind their message. Because if it's truth, it's coming from the Holy Spirit. But if it's not, it's a spirit of falsehood, which you can find in verse 6 that spirit of falsehood, of error, of lie, that works against Jesus. In this letter, time and again, he refers to the Antichrist, and even the spirit of the Antichrist which I will talk about in a moment. And he tells them that they need to have discernment. This word discernment means to make a critical examination of something to determine genuineness. Put, put to the test. Examine. It has this idea of something running, someone running for a pop, public office to examine them, to see if, if they are fit for that role. So he's telling them to every person and their message was to be examined, to determine if they were genuinely from God or not. Because there was a lot of people preaching a false message and they weren't just to be able to take their word for it, even if they say, yeah, I'm a Jesus person. Hmm. John's reason is that many false prophets have gone out into the world. The role of prophet in the Old Testament he was one that represented God before the people. He was like God's mouthpiece to turn his people back to him so they wouldn't be led astray. God's people in the Old Testament were to be a light to the, na- the nations. They were to live lives that were set apart, holy among the nations, reflecting God's good character as they lived in relationship with one another and with God. And by that they would be a blessing to the nations. But as time would go on, they became more like the nations around them. And God would use his prophets to turn them back to him. If you saw a prophet, he wasn't the most popular guy in the community. He usually had a message of doom and gloom. But it was tough love because it was something, a message that they needed to hear. And God was especially grieved with the false prophets because they told the people what they wanted to hear instead of relaying a message that was given to the prophet that was to be given to his people. And eventually Israel would be exiled from their lands as a result of their disobedience. False prophets and teachers, they still existed over a thousand years before John's day, and they still exist among us today. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 20, it says there, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. There's the spirit of truth, uh, that spiritual influence on their lives to write the Holy Scriptures. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Have you ever heard that? When you're listening to the TV on the internet, exploiting people saying, hey, I'm from God. Jesus told me to tell you that you need to give me everything in your bank account. Greed. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. They too, they will face judgment someday if they don't turn to God. I don't have enough time here today to talk about prophets. But If you want to know more about the role of the prophet, the criteria to be a prophet, what happens if... They're not meeting that criteria. You can look at Deuteronomy chapter thirteen. You can look at Deuteronomy chapter eighteen and Jeremiah chapter twenty-three. Just reading those chapters, you'll get a better idea of what a, the role of the prophet. But we need discernment because not just because of the false messages of false messengers, but th- these messages are intentional. These folks are on a mission. This mission is intentional. We find in the last part of verse 1 where it says, many false prophets have gone out into the world. In the Greek, have gone out is one single word. And it carries this sense of moving towards a goal, to get up, to go out, to get a servant ready to fulfill a mission. These false prophets, they have a mission. It's to bring a false message and even a false Christ. Counter to the mission that Jesus has called us to. To go and make a disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all that he has commanded them to do and to go baptize them. The need for the testing is because there are many who claim to be speaking for God but are truly not. When I was finishing up my seminary training, I was working at a church. It was more like a security job, just to have a job to support my family through school. But I was able to lead a lot of small groups, 8, 10-week groups, short-term groups. And I came across, uh, we're going to call him Roberto. Roberto and his wife, they had one child, they're expecting another, barely 20, young couple. Roberto had a lot of great questions. I enjoyed engaging with him, especially being in seminary. I was learning what I know and how to communicate that with someone else. So it was just great training for me. Now, the questions he was asking, I could kind of get a bit of a sense of where, of what he was talking about, depending on the the nature of the question. The question would reveal whether it's from this denomination or that denomination, or uh, so there's some things you learn along the way to help you understand that. But then some of those questions just seemed like they were so far off from the reservation. Questions that were just distorted views of Jesus and a, perverted, a perversion of the gospel. So he was taking in these uh, false messages and false, uh, from these false messengers. And it's like, he, there was a bunch of different puzzle boxes and each puzzle box uh, had different pieces. And he's taking a little bit from each puzzle box and putting it in his box. And then he gets his box and he's trying to put these pieces together but as he does, it paints a distorted view, a distorted picture of the true Jesus. And I couldn't help but to think, this guy, instead of going out there and having these questions, which were great, start with the word of God. That gives you the filter to have that discernment, to be able to make that judgment, to know where this message is coming from and whether it's true or false. So we just talked about why we need discernment. We need discernment because of the mission of the false messengers and their message. Now we're going to talk about the how. How do we practice discernment? We practice discernment by examining what they say and their source. By what they say and their source. John gives them a little bit of a criteria for recognizing whether a person is speaking a message from God Or whether they're a poser, do they claim to be representing God but speaking a false message, even using the name of Jesus to accomplish their own purposes? Those things lead people astray. So just like a journalist who gets a piece of news, they have to they have to uh, evaluate what is being said. Is this a breaking story? If so, what's the source? Does the source have credibility? So what they say, their confession will reveal their alliance for or against Jesus. In verses 2 and 3 it says there, this is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. The NIV uses the translation acknowledge. It's a public declaration. But in other translations, like the ESV, they use the word confession to capture this idea of a profession of alliance, a profession of uh, allegiance. The one who confesses that Jesus Christ did indeed come in the flesh reveals that they are from God. This same word is used in Romans chapter 10 verses 9 through 10. It says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God indeed raised him from the dead, you too will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. But those who cannot profess that, that Jesus did come in the flesh, they're actually working against Jesus. This is very apparent when he speaks of the spirit of the Antichrist. Now most people recognize the Antichrist as the adversary of Jesus in the last days. But the spirit of the Antichrist still works through many people, especially those who are opposing Jesus. In 1 John chapter 2, in verse 18, and then again in verse 22, John tells the people that Whoever denies Jesus as the Christ, that person is the antichrist and that many have already come. It's because there's this spirit of uh, spiritual influence working against, anti, against Christ. And that wor- it's evident in those works that are against Jesus, that oppose Jesus and seeks to destroy the works of Jesus. And part of that des- destroying the works of Jesus is that part, that teaching that Jesus did come in the flesh. John 1.14 says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. But just as the Antichrist, even Satan himself, came to destroy Christ's work, we find in 1 John 3.8, But the reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. So we see this battle even taking place in the beginning. In the beginning of time and creation. When Satan was right there in the garden of Eden whispering in Eve's ear. Questioning her and her beliefs about God. Did God really tell you not to eat from that tree? Hmm. Hmm. God knows if you eat from that tree, you're gonna become like a God. She fell for it, for that lie. And from then on, sin came into the world and the propensity to sin for all of us. And now the world has become a battleground for souls. We see that one speaks the truth, the other speaks lies. And John's given us just some criteria to recognize, to discern between the two, especially in terms of uh, the, the body and the flesh of Jesus Christ. John might have been addressing a form of heresy that was going on at the time called docetism or in a form of Gnosticism, basically saying that Jesus, he came, but he only appeared to be to have a human body. Maybe he was a phantom. But the idea is that he really didn't come in the flesh. Another false teaching uh, taught that there was a guy, some dude named Jesus, and at his baptism, the spirit came on him, gave him power to do these miracles, and then when it's time for the crucifixion, the spirit went back up, and there's the guy. It sounds so ridiculous to me. How, How... How would you like to be that guy? And you're standing there, oh, great. Now I have to deal with this. A lot of error. But if Jesus Christ didn't come in the flesh, if he didn't come in the body, then there would be no virgin birth. There would be no crucifixion. There would be no resurrection. There would be no conquering of sin. No conquering of death. There would be no salvation. No hope. No need for Jesus. And he just becomes one of the many options in this world. I. Howard Marshall said this, if a person claims to believe in Jesus, it is proper to ask, is your Jesus the real Jesus? There's a lot of people out there claiming, yeah, that's my Jesus. Okay, is it the same Jesus I believe in? Is it the same Jesus that's in here? Because the source of their information will reveal their alliance, either for God or against God. And in verse 5, it says, They are from the world, and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. Those who are of the world listen to the wisdom of the world as their authoritative source in life. They speak from the viewpoint of culture, philosophy, and customs of the world around them. The problem with that is, as people, we're not perfect. We're finite. I'd rather put my faith in an infinite God who knows all things. And he didn't leave us hanging out to dry to wonder what he's like, he gave us the sacred writings in this book. In verse six, there it says, we are from God and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Those who are from God listen and they know God as their authoritative source for life and life's decisions. These words, knowing and listening, they signify this ongoing relationship and knowledge of God through his holy word. John wrote these words. John was in Jesus' inner circle. He did life with Jesus. If there's anybody who would know whether Jesus came in the flesh, I think he would know. And these defectors are denying it. Well, John lived it. And he wanted us to know that. And it's such an important foundation of our faith. We take communion to remember his death, burial, and resurrection. Every Sunday to remember that. Yeah, it's a small, it's, it's an important detail of our faith. So their, their source for life's decisions it will reveal if it's if they're from God. And it talks about the spirit, uh, the spirit of truth or the spirit of falsehood. The spirit of truth is the Holy Spirit. Spirit of falsehood. That word falsehood means error, lies, deception. It will, show, it will, it will reveal their alliance. Because those who are uh, propagating a false narrative about Jesus, they're pulling people away from the truth and of the faith. Even Muslims, even Muslims believe in Jesus. Hmm? They believe he was a man. He's even revered as a prophet. But they deny his divinity. They deny that he is the son of God. They deny the crucifixion or the resurrection. Who is the real Jesus? What Jesus do you believe in? Jehovah's Witnesses, they believe Jesus was a created being. He was actually an angel, Archangel Michael who took on the form of a man because he lived such a perfect life he was rewarded with immortality but not God who's the real Jesus so we talked about we answered three questions why why do we need discernment because of the mission of false messages and the the messengers how how do we practice discernment By examining what they say and their source. And it leads us to today's uh, application. The what. What are we to do? Overcome. We are to overcome. In verse 4 it reads, You dear children are from God and overcome them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They've already overcome the false messengers, their false messages, and the false christ that they're portraying they were not led astray this christian community the reason they have been overcome is because god is greater than satan he's greater than the spiritual influence of the antichrist and those advance a false message and a false narrative of jesus we have overcome if we have that confession of faith that we believe that jesus indeed came in the flesh died on cross for our sins was resurrected to eternal life and we can join him there we already have the victory. Fresh Christians, this life, this life is just the beginning, baby. We're just getting started. I can't imagine what's going to happen a thousand years from now. How much of a memory will this be? Because over there, there would be no more crying, no more pain, no more death. Because it got swallowed up because Jesus came in the flesh and was resurrected once again. Now, for these people, God gave them certain tools. In chapter 2, verse 14, he says, it says there that they were given the word of God. In chapter 3, verse 24, it says the spirit of God helps them and helps us to keep his commands, to keep Jesus' teachings, to obey what he taught us. The family of God. Time and time again in 1 John, he refers to beloved. The word, uh, calls them Beloved. Fathers, dear children, we're not meant to do it alone. We have the family of God. And of course, Jesus Christ, of which none of this could be possible, his life, burial, and resurrection. Because if they can, these false messengers, if they can knock out that building block that Jesus did indeed come in the flesh, then your faith, is just going to collapse in and on itself. As a discipleship pastor, it is my desire to see you to be an immovable force, that you're so rooted and grounded in your faith, so that no matter what Satan throws at you, that you can overcome that you be so rooted in your faith that not even the gates of hell can come against you. Instead of always reacting to what Satan throws at you, that you become strong enough in your faith that you're more proactive and joining Jesus in the mission that he has instructed us to follow, to join him in, to go and make disciples of all nations, teaching all that com- to obey all that I've commanded you. And that's how we want to see wholeness come into this world, to see the whole community whole in Christ. It starts with Christ. How well do you know Jesus? How well do you know his teachings? How well do you live them out? Because the more you listen to Jesus, the more discerning you will be. So we answer three questions. Why we need discernment? How are you to practice discernment? And the what? What can you do concretely? What can you do to live us out? One. You got to be reading God's word. Read God's word. I try to think of all the different things that I could do to encourage you to do that. And there's just so many different ways you could do that. I just put up one. There's this app called Read Scripture. It's by the people from the Bible Project. What I like is it's a reading plan through an app, but it gives you a little video, giving you context for what you're about to read. Then you also get to read the psalm, which is more meditative and prayerful. That's just one way. We got a resource library. Did you know that? It's right over here. I think it says Leader Library. It's open to all. Help yourself. Sign a book out. We got some great resources over there. How many people here use right now media? Who, know, who, who uses right now media? Anybody? Oh, okay. I'm telling you. I'm running out of time. But I'm telling you. Okay. So right now, if you got your phone, or maybe you just want to write this down, text for text text to this number 49775 instead of texting a person you're texting this number 49775 and the message is chapel rock it doesn't matter if it's uppercase lowercase you do that it spits back a a link for you to be able to join our church already subscribes to it it's already paid for it's free for you all you got to do is first name last name email password you don't have to give them anything else that's it you go in there, type in Jesus, boom. What it is, is a, it's like a, a Netflix for Christians. It's just filled with Bible studies and solid teachers. You have more than enough. And what I like is if you got the app, you can just listen to the audio. So if you're traveling in your car, just put the audio on. At least you're getting some good stuff into you, stuff that's tr- that we can trust. Be discerning about who you are listening to and their message. But you got to know what you believe if you go to the Chapel Rock uh, website, look under the um, Statement of Faith. You can start from there. And be in community. There's nothing more that, that Satan wants to do than to separate you and to isolate you in your faith. Because now you're exposed to all these voices. Instead of being surrounded by people who are trying to live according to This who can encourage and keep you accountable in the growth of your faith, to be praying for you. So once in a while, I think of Roberto. I wonder where he is. He was taking a lot of information through the internet and I really hope that he just got back to the gospels to find out who the real Jesus is. I don't know if he had that discernment and honestly, I don't even know if he made that profession of faith. But he's on the back of my mind even as I serve as a discipleship pastor. It gives me the motivation to do the best that I can to be faithful, to help you, to be rooted in your faith. So maybe today, maybe that was a lot to take in. But maybe you're sitting out there, and you haven't made that profession, that confession of faith. Maybe you haven't placed your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ, or even knew enough that He actually came to flesh, died on a cross for our sins. Because the sin, disobedience to God, it has a price. But Jesus paid it on the cross. All we need to do is put our all. We need to do is put our faith in Him and what He did that he was resurrected from the dead, and we could join him in eternal life if we only would make that confession. So as the music plays, I want to invite you to come forward or maybe there was something about today's message that resonated with you and maybe you just need some encouragement, maybe some prayer for whatever you're going through in life. So as the music plays, please feel free to come forward.